0: Hey guys, this is Jennifer Westmoreland from Icepeak Canine. Welcome to episode one, purebred dogs versus mixed breed dogs. Remember, either can be in a rescue or a shelter. Now, when we talk about a purebred dog, we're usually referring to a dog with a pedigree, a dog that's registered with a breed club and can also be a part of a national kennel club. A pedigreed or purebred dog is a dog which has been bred over many generations to get a true breed. This means that every puppy born will have the same appearance, the same character, and the same traits as the others. In most cases, there's a written standard which describes each breed in detail that breeders follow very strictly in choosing their breeding program. Now make no mistake, I'm not suggesting that people should not get a dog from a shelter or a rescue. I did not say that, and I don't believe that. Most purebred breed clubs were among first dog rescue groups in the United States. If you, if you decide that you want a purebred dog, you can look and find that rescue group, and usually there's one in most states. Breeders love dogs, and they believe in rescue, but people should also have the option to purchase a purebred dog from a dedicated breeder without harassment or guilt. A real breeder should also be able to breed their dogs without punitive laws. Remember the word real. Now, many people use the term adopt, don't shop. They have good intentions, and I believe that they probably have in mind all of the homeless dogs in shelters and rescue that are in danger of euthanization if not rehomed in a certain amount of time. That's always in the back of my mind as well. I hope that open-mindedness will allow those people to listen to this podcast so that they'll know what a real breeder is instead of listening to those people who are just simply uninformed. As a matter of fact, that's what I really intend to clear up in this podcast. There's certainly nothing wrong with checking with shelters and rescues first when you're looking for a new family member, but please don't assume that it's wrong to get a purebred dog just because it originally came from a breeder. To me, that's like saying all black people are bad or all white people are racist. It's just not true. Think about it. If you go to a shelter and you come home with a lab collie mix. If there had not been lab breeders or collie breeders, you wouldn't even have that dog. So we really do need to think about where these things are coming from. And don't just believe it because you read it somewhere. The belief that all breeders are bad made its claim when we started allowing anyone to purchase a license to breed. You know, that whole thing was about taxes, not dogs and, or their well-being. If you know me at all, you know how I feel about allowing humans who are not experienced dog people to be put in charge of anything dog. And I mean experienced dog people, not just, oh, I love dogs, dog people. There's a place in this dog world for those pet them till they do it people, but it's not running things. Until they take the time to learn what's best for the dog and not the human, they should stick to just petting the dogs. Now, what are real breeders? Real breeders are people who breed to preserve the dog breeds and are usually hobbyists. They participate in dog shows or companion or performance events with their dogs. The dogs that they breed and can't keep, they usually place in pet homes. It's no accident that we have dogs able to hunt, herd, guard, track, and do so many other things at an expert level. Humans figured out early on that if you bred dogs that were good at these things, you would get offspring that were also good at doing them. All of these jobs performed by dogs were necessary for our own species to survive at one time. It's no secret that we owe a lot to purebred dogs, just as we do other animals. Now, real breeders are not in it to get rich. I have never seen And all the time I was showing dogs and breeding dogs, I never saw one person that got rich by just breeding dogs. There were plenty of rich people in there, but they didn't get rich by breeding dogs. They had another job that did that and supplied the money to breed dogs contrary to popular belief it is really very expensive to breed healthy clear-headed dogs that'll be suitable companions with no issues so that they can do what they're bred to do and live a long and happy and healthy life they have eye abnormalities heart disease and in some cases deafness has been proven to be merely inherited extensive research has been carried out and supported by breed clubs and dog registries Specialty purebred dog clubs even confirm the information about common genetic defects in their breeds in an effort to correct them. Purebred dogs are more likely to inherit certain characteristics due to the amount of breedings that are done. These can develop into a disability or illness. Canine hip dysplasia is one of them, even though it can be caused by injury. Now, the problem starts when some characteristics found in the breed standard are associated with genetic disorders. This is known as artificial selective force. This will duplicate genetic disorders because they're desirable physical traits. Populations get in trouble when dogs are bred in close relationship with each other, such as inbreeding, meaning mother to son or father to daughter. Inbreeding purebred animals has led to problems of genetic health not always obvious in less homogeneous populations. We don't see inbreeding in true breeders as often as we see in backyard breeders. True breeders know the problems that it can cause, and they're scared of doing it. I'm not saying they don't do it. They do it in certain instances when they think that they can, but they only do it to better the breed. The most important thing that I was taught by my mentors as a breeder is that the purpose of each selective breeding is to better the breed. The goal is for the puppies that you're breeding for to be better than the sire and the dam, the mother and the dad. I can honestly say that I kept that in mind with every breeding that we did. People people are getting inbreeding confused with line breeding. Line breeding is practiced when you're satisfied with your line and is producing what you want And you you want to continue the genetic results from one generation to another and try to minimize the undesirable traits. Outcrossing is the mating of animals that are totally unrelated, such as a totally different pedigree, two dogs of the same breed but are from different families. This is done when experienced breeders want to bring in a new trait to their line or correct an existing fault. Maybe they want to bring in something new that has a certain part of their body that in hopes that they can breed that fault that they feel like they have out of there, mixed breed purebred dogs. These are dogs that are purebred dogs of one breed bred to another purebred dog of another breed. They're also equally susceptible to inherited diseases. So um, let's say that you have a designer dog that, like, a, what a labradoodle. Not that there's anything wrong with labradoodles. I trained hundreds of them, and they're great dogs. But now we have a gene pool of uh, labs and we have the poodle. So we've brought in all the good things of the lab and all the good things of the poodle, but we also brought in all of the inherited diseases of the Labrador into the poodle and the poodle's inherited diseases. We've mixed them together now, so now we we have more than what we were having. This is why the American Kennel Club will not recognize these breeds until they've got it fixed. You know, if you talk to a doodle breeder, they talk about how many generations the puppies are. Usually, I don't think they start really calling them a labradoodle until they're maybe five, five generations out. But in my opinion, they're not a breed until the AKC says they are. So by the time a true breeder does all the tests to make sure that his line is not carriers of any inherited diseases, uh, feeds the dog well, uh, pays for good living situations for his breeding program, vets them, trains them, takes them to dog shows to prove with a win that he's done his job, pays for a stud fee for if he's out crossing, um, does progesterone tests to see what day his female is breedable, in some cases has to pay for a C-section or artificial insemination, takes off two weeks from work, lives in the whelping box for two weeks to make sure that the puppies don't get squashed by mom if she rolls over. And let's say the price of the puppy ends up being, he's asking $2,500, which sounds outrageous. Um, $2,500 after paying for all that supplies him with approximately $1,000 loss per puppy. The people who criticize breeders don't realize all that because they've never done it before. They're just talking. They, they don't know what these people go through. These breeders will schedule appointments for you to see the puppies when they are sure that you've not been kennel hopping. Going from kennel to kennel looking at puppies to make sure you don't bring diseases in from other kennels on your feet to endanger their babies. They'll also have the crazy dog lady contract, which will sound like you're adopting their only child. In episode two, we'll get to the other breeders, those breeders that are undesirable breeders. Due to laws passed by humans who know nothing about dogs, it is now legal for these scumbags to easily get a license to breed dogs. Just pay the money. No experience necessary. Again, humans who know nothing about dogs running the dog world. Educate yourselves, people. I mean, you're sitting here listening to the podcast, taking the time to educate yourself. When And when we're done, you will know more than the people who pass those ridiculous laws. This just infuriates me. Do you realize... That most of the people in positions to make positive changes in the horrible situation that thousands of rescues and shelters are in, are, in all actuality, the people who got us there in the first place, good laws that have stiff penalties that we stick to are what we need. And we need people like you who take the time to sit down and learn to be a part of putting them in place. We really need these things, guys. And I want you to think, I know. I know this was just a lot of, information, but I I want you to understand what this is and where these dogs are coming from. If you were adopting a baby, you'd want to know where it was coming from. Understand what these dogs have gone through up until the time that you got, even before they were conceived. I mean, try to understand what the people who care about dogs do as opposed to people who just want your money. It's a real pet peeve of mine. I don't mean to sound so over the top about it, but you know, in in the line of work that I do, I hear this stuff all the time. And do I have do I have an extra freaking hour to sit there and explain this to these imbeciles? No. I don't. So I'm doing this podcast so that you'll hear it, and then when you hear people talk about it, you can tell them, and then when they hear it, they can tell them. We need to expose What's happening for what it is? Because that is the reason that we have so many dogs that are being euthanized. Because we don't realize what the problem is. All we're doing is we're trying to react to what's here. We're not going to the root of the problem. You know, dogs are being killed because we're not doing our homework. So, that's what a real breeder is in episode two. Picking your puppy from a real breeder and avoiding an imposter. Hang with me.